Are you critically insane, have a lot of excess money, or even better, both? Then you can support this podcast by clicking on the ACAR support button. You can give as rarely and as little as you want, which, judging by the quality of this, I'm sure you're wanting to do. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Bruce Wayne, the Batman, is dead. And Jim Gordon has got a terrible new haircut. It's time to take a look at Batman Volume 8, Super Heavy. Hello and welcome to a PhD Student Reads Episode 6. Almost said 8, but it's not 8, it's Batman Volume 8, Super Heavy, published by DC Comics on the 16th of March 2016, collecting issues 41 to 45, and DC Sneak Peek, Batman number 1. Written by, unsurprisingly, Scott Snyder, with pencils by Greg Capullo, inks by Danny Mickey, colours by FCO Placencia, and lettering by Steve Wands. There's also an interlude with... uh, different creative team but we'll get to that later my first comment is who is in charge of the names that go on the cover because this is the same team that was on the last volume and that had all their names on it but in this one FCO Placencia is not on it but on the next one he is so I don't know why that is anybody knows why that is please let me know let's think back to volume six that had loads of names on the front that yeah i don't know alas we pick up the story two months after the end of volume seven bruce wayne batman is dead and gotham is reeling after the joker's viral attack so we need a new batman and powers industries have set in with Jim Gordon taking on the lead role with two men and women in the chair behind the scenes of Julia Pennyworth, now going by the uh, subtle alter ego Julia Perry and Daryl Gutierrez. They reference the 60s Batman theme tune on the first page. That's why I put it in as the intro for this. But my first, the thing that really stands out is Jim Gordon has ditched the moustache and locks of ginger hair for this absolutely appalling mohawk look. It's just, people keep commenting on it, on how awful it is. It's almost as if Greg Capullo drew it. Well, actually, no, they would, he would have got the script first. So clearly... Greg was there looking, he's like, ah, I see. These, I need to come up with a haircut that is just atrocious. Think of mm, Noah Puckerman from the earlier seasons of Glee. It's like that. Bon Jim Gordon, a man in his 50s. Yeah. And I don't know why. Because, I mean, I understand the moustache. If you're wearing a cowl, you don't want a moustache. Especially if it's 
bright red because everyone would be like, that's Jim Gordon, obviously. But the hair, Bruce Wayne has got a similar-ish haircut to... Um, what's his name? Jim Gordon. But he doesn't shave his head. But whatever. It, it is what it is. You just have to put up with it for an entire volume and probably the next volume as well. Uh, there are in the first issue there are flashbacks to how he became Batman, being approached by Powers Industries. You're like, you should become new Batman, and then see it shows you old June Gordon. Like, oh, I like it when you look like this with normal hair. Not saying having a mohawk isn't normal. It's just not Jim Gordon. And to be fair, maybe he's been using some Olay or some Dove, but he looks a lot younger, too. Yep, that is what it is. Uh, when they, there's a flashback of them designing the robot part of the suit, because this Batman is not only a man in a suit, but he's got like a robot suit as well, like Iron Man. And when they're designing that, there there are Daryl Gutierrez is going through the different colour schemes that he's come up with. And clearly you're just like, ah, let's go on Gotham Google, you know, like old Batman costumes. You know, it's a nice callback, I guess. It seems a bit odd that someone in actual Gotham might do it. Um, his first mission is against some sort of energy being that is actually not a being at all. It's some sort of tech thing being controlled by a leader of a gang, the Whisperers, the ones they were in the Court of Owls double. They were for a gang that wore these face mask things so they couldn't speak. And this, this guy is the leader of one of them's precious, precious. He's robbing uh, some athlete or something. Anyway, so they travel around Gotham in this big blimp with Bruce hanging off the bottom in his robot suit and sort of jumps down. He defeats Precious Precious, that's by the by. But the following issues um, place Gordon and his team up against the Devil Pigs, a Gotham offshoot of the Triads that have surgically implanted horns in their heads and in their pets' heads, as we'll get to later. So the leader of the Devil Pigs is G.G. Hung, and he now has superpowers. A bit like, he's a bit like an Earthbender from Avatar The Last Airbender. He can move the Earth. And G.G. turns out is the fifth one of these gangsters that now have powers that didn't before. And these powers are being provided by magic seeds that also behave like little nuclear reactors when uh, needed to that kill the hosts. One of these four is Precious Precious, which is a god-awful name. I'm just, just putting that out there. That's just terrible. Why? I, can you have a different surname? But anyway, so supposedly he had one of these seeds as well. But I don't really know what superpowers he had, because the monster he was projecting was technology-based. Like some sort of VR, 3D VR thing. So it wasn't that. But, whatever. 
Jim defeats Gigi by dropping a bus on him. The Bat Bus. Sort of like a base on wheels. But they never use it because it gets dropped on this guy's head. Then he dies from the seed. But luckily he reveals the name of the true mastermind. Mr. Bloom. And at the end of the issue... One, they reveal that Bruce Wayne's back. Yay. That lasted a while. Twelve pages. I have thoughts on this. I'll, I'll save them till later. A reason for you to continue to listen to this diatribe that is this podcast. So, the plot then cuts to spend some time with Bruce, with Alfred and with Clark Kent. So Bruce is working in a children's home run by Julie Madsen, who appeared back in Zero Year as a potential love interest for Bruce. But because he was Batman, he was like, no, no romance for me, thanks. But now he has no memories of being Batman, so it's absolutely fine. They can do whatever couples do. Jim Gordon shows up at this children's home and then blatantly says to Bruce that he's the new Batman and he needs Bruce's help in freeing his suit from corporate control because, well, this new Batman is, you know, supposed to be a symbol, a Batman for GCPD. They work with the police under guidance from the police and powers industries. But Jim, being headstrong, wants to go after Mr. Bloom and these gangs Immediately, but he cannot. So he wants the suit freed from their watchful eyes. And Bruce says no, because I, I don't do that anymore. I have no memories of that. Um, Jim gives him one of Mr Bloom's seeds, for some reason. To remind him, I guess, maybe, or show him that it's important. But uh, we'll get that's also pivotal for later. We get... So then we talk, it's Alfred and Clark Kent. And they're discussing, Clark really wants Batman back. Bruce Wayne, Batman. Because the world needs a Batman, but not this new Batman. And I guess none of the other Bat family are good enough. So they need Bruce. Not Dick, not Damien, Tim... Barbara, nope, none of them. Clark wants Bruce. Alfred is like, no, you cannot have Bruce. And takes him to the Batcave. Um, and then we get to find out why Bruce doesn't remember anything. So, unsurprisingly, it was the Dionysium that healed him. Leaking into his head. But because Bruce was dead, it healed the tissue and basically made a new man. Um, Alfred starts to go through Bruce's life through, I guess, photo albums and whatnot, telling him who he was, but never got to the Batman part. Um, Clark pretty much begs, threatens Alfred to tell the new Bruce that he was Batman, because I said Clark really wants this Batman back. Bow says no. And we get this month's Alfred is clearly the best member of the Bat Family moment. He shows Clark a kryptonite ring. It's like, no. This this new Bruce, he has no training, no skills. It would be a death sentence for the man. 
It's as if this is a Bruce that would grow up as if his parents were alive. He's not weighed down by that trauma and baggage. He is a, a normal guy. They also touch upon that Bruce had invented this crazy machine that would make, if Bruce died, it would make a new young Bruce pre-trained with all the memories of Bruce, the, the hurt and the pain and, you know, the stuff that fuels Batman, his drive, should he ever die, but he never finished it. And boy, I wonder if this will ever be used in the future, ever, to give memories to a Bruce that has none. Hmm, yep, maybe. But back to Jim. So by this point, he snuck into the Devil Pig's base to get more information on the unknown Mr. Bloom. And there we find a shark with horns. That they've... some subdermal horns, like they do themselves. So I had a Google horns with... sharks with horns, just in case they could just buy a shark that had horn-like features. Turns out there are quite a few sharks with horn-like features. I found the Port Jackson shark, which they're quite prominent. Could have gone with that. But no, just a shark that they've surgically enhanced, inverted commas there, with these horns. So it turns out that this Mr. Bloom is supplying all the gangs with magic seeds. And this surprises Jim because all the gangs hate each other. But somehow... Mr. Bloom's found a way to strike deals with all of them without angering the uh, the others, I suppose. Although if a guy gave me a seed, gave me the ability to control the earth, and I was a gang leader, I'd be all up for that. I should probably mention that these seeds, they don't give the same power every time. They give a new ability to control something. But, yeah, so the guy, the Devil Pig's guy, got got Earth. Precious Precious got something. The other few got something else. Unsurprisingly, there are gang members in this hideout and a shootout ensues. So Jim and his Batarang gun, because Jim's terrible at throwing, there are lots of bits of Jim trying to throw Batarang at target. And missing. Uh, versus goons with guns. The shootout frees the shark, who eats some people, but Jim loses in the end and ends up in a furnace. And Julia, who's outside in, in a van, on, on the comms, so to speak, she gets her head smashed in. This shootout also happens to be the best series of panels in the volume. Lots of bright colours, cool angles, sharks eating people. Great. So, yeah, Jim's in a furnace. And then it cuts to Mr. Bloom, who we see up close for the first time, actually in the story. He's on one of the covers. So it's not really a surprise what he looks like, because he's on the cover. Um, and this scene is him making a deal with the Penguin and some of his goons. But Penguin doesn't actually want this deal, and Mr. Bloom gets shot in the head and turns into a big spindly monster man. And that looks a lot like Dr. Death from Zero, you hear? I'll admit that. Um, incredibly similar, in fact. Um, Mr. Bloom kills everybody with his very spindly fingers. Um, and, but, but not the penguin. Just wounds the penguin. And that's the end of that issue. 
And what follows is the interlude, but I'll focus on that at the end and just stick with the main story and my thoughts and feelings on that. So Jim's in this furnace looking um, around for a way out. The fire is on. He's talking about the temperatures that constantly going up. I think it gets to a thousand degrees. My just comment here is that okay, that's that's very hot. I understand the suit is protecting some of him, but why is his chin not burning? Up? It's not. There's no. You know, it's like a normal cowl. There's no cover there. Why is his? I don't know, does the skin to skin burn at a thousand degrees? I mean Gotham's set in the States, that's a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in centigrade. Let's have a Google here, some live research. One thousand Fahrenheit to Celsius. One thousand degrees height is 537.778 degrees Celsius. That's very hot, and I'm pretty sure the skin would start to burn at that temperature. But I don't know. I work with cells. Maybe just Jim's very resilient. All that Ole and uh, Dove that he's been using to look quite young. But luckily, the coolant pipes are on show. I guess the people that usually get thrown into this furnace aren't that uh, aware of this. And Jim throws a batarang and luckily manages to hit the pipe and escapes. But of course, all the gang are still up there at the top and Jim still can't beat them, primarily because he couldn't beat them before and he's now burnt. But luckily the robot suit can now be self-guided and together Batman and the Batsuit fight their way out. So the Batsu here is being guided by Daryl Gutierrez, sort of, in the blimp. But, so, Julia is saved. There's no... It doesn't... Why have Julia have her head smashed in if nothing happens? She's got her head smashed in, and then a couple of panels later, she's absolutely fine. I guess they needed a reason for Jim to end up in this furnace. But they could have shown something else happening to Julia, maybe instead of that scene with Mr. Bloom and the Penguin, have Julia fighting some people. She deserves that. She's a strong, independent woman. But no, she's she's fine. So later that day, I presume, Jim goes to apologise to the CEO of Powers Industries, Jerry Powers, an old marine friend of Jim's as well. Uh, but she fires Jim for going it alone and wants Jim to resign in front of a crowd at a press conference that's occurring later. So at this conference, the blimp that Jim's been using to get around, I presume it's a repurposed blimp from back in the zero-year days that they had floating around Gotham City, um, because why else would Gotham have a bunch of blimps? Uh, one is, it smashes through the window, uh, Jim saving... Jerry Powers' his life, but who's in control of this blimp? Mr. Bloom! Oh my goodness me, what a shock. Uh, at some point, I think, uh, Duke Thomas, who is staying at this uh, kid's home that Bruce works at, takes the seed that Jim gave Bruce and gives it to Daryl. 
um, and wants information on it so he can become the new Robin. That happens at some point as well. Cool. Well, that's the end of the main bit of the story. It's fine, I guess. Um, but the it's now on to the interlude. It's written by Scott Snyder and Brian Azzarello, with art by Jock, colours by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Darren Bennett. It's set just after Zero Year, so Batman is established, and a body of a young man is found in the middle of a field, having been dropped from the sky. Uh, so Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon begin the investigation on how a young man can die from being dropped from a great height in an empty field. So, uh, long story short, this young man's name is Peter Duggio. He is Daryl's cousin, and to try and protect his father's bodega from coming under control of a gang, he makes a deal with the penguin that goes that goes awry, which leads him eventually to Mr. Bloom, gives him, I guess, before he got into seeds, he just had it in liquid form because he drinks a vial. Um, and this gives him the strength to protect the uh, bodega from the gangs, but it also gives him wings. So he took to the skies to fly, and I guess the wings ran out, and he fell. And that's how he ended up in the middle of a field, with wounds consistent with falling from a great height, with nothing to fall from. So, the interlude, it looks amazing. I'm a big fan of Jock's art in this. It's a nice change from the Greg Capullo art we get on every other page. Um... In fact, I'd read a whole Batman story in that style. It's more pale and minimalist than the bright, bold colours of Capullo's. I like them both. Sometimes you just want a taste of something else, and this interlude offers that. But what did I actually get from this interlude? Like, nothing, really. It's no... When it started, I thought that perhaps Peter Duggio would be Mr. Bloom. And that's where that was going. But it wasn't. It just really shows that Bloom's been in Gotham for a while. And Daryl has an emotional connection to the villain. And that's it. Really. Yep. So I feel like I could have, it could have been something else, something more impactful than that. There are impactful elements. The story does touch on police brutality against ethnic minorities, but this could also be expanded on. It's like a couple of panels. But in fact, I'd quite like if there's a, I think a whole Batman story, you know, of a Batman doing some detecting. To solve a crime that ends up being police brutality against ethnic minorities and not some superhero tale. Imagine um, I am Alfonso Jones crossed with Batman, something like that. I think that would be an interesting read. And if that does exist, please do let me know. 
So that's pretty much all that's in Batman Volume 8. Yeah, we've got the uh, the covers, the alternate covers at the end. They're okay. None of them particularly stood out to me, really. One's got Green Lantern in. Cool. There's... I'm looking at them now. I think that's supposed to be like a Swamp Thing one. That's cool, too. But nothing really special there. There's the blueprints of the robot bat suit as well, but they're also not particularly detailed or in-depth, so they too get a rating of fine. So my overall thoughts on Batman Volume 8, super heavy. I like the suit. I like Jim's black and gold suit. I like that. Hasn't got a cape. I like that. I like when the story delves into the differences between Bruce and Jim and their Batman, Batman, like Bruce has a gun that fires, no, Jim has a gun that fires Batarangs because Bruce is accurate with throwing them and Jim isn't until he needs to be in a furnace. Jim talks about how he easily gets surrounded by gangs because he's used to having a partner and backup and if he doesn't have that, he's often got a man in a cape and a cowl to support him, whereas now he doesn't have that. But it's all pretty surface level, and that also could have been explored further. It The plot seems a bit obvious as to where it'll go. It'll be something like, oh, Jim can't defeat Mr. Bloom by himself, so they need to get Bruce back, and they'll use the machine with the memories to give Bruce his memories back, and then he'll be Batman and... Either the two of them or just Bruce Wayne Batman will defeat Mr. Bloom. At least. I mean, I could obviously be wrong, but that does seem like where it's going. But my biggest gripe is why introduce Bruce so quickly? The first 12 pages, he's there. It's the back of his head, sure, so it could have been someone else, but it's not. It, it is Bruce Wayne. Why not give this new Jim Gordon Batman... A whole arc to himself. No Bruce Wayne, no nothing. What's the point of killing him in the previous volume if he comes back straight away? Yes, he's not Batman straight away, but Bruce Wayne is Batman, I suppose. And yeah, he casts. This is a Batman book, but he casts a big shadow over the whole thing. It's like every page that are. Okay. Well, when's Batman coming? Is he coming back now? No. I, I just... You know... So the next volume is called Bloom. And obviously this ends on a cliffhanger. Mr. Bloom not being defeated. If they can dedicate two volumes to a Batman prequel, why not dedicate two volumes to this Batman? And then have the last volume be Bruce coming back, re-establishing himself as the de facto Dark Knight. I feel like Jim's getting a bit short-changed here. Because I don't know... I, mean, I haven't read the next volume yet, but I don't know how much time is dedicated to him still. More could have been done? I don't know. Maybe all of these concerns and... Not praise. What's the opposite? Not obviously not praise. It's negative. The opposite of praise. Yeah, all of my issues with this are all alleviated in some great twist, but at the moment, it's fine. It's a fine volume. 
Compared to all the other volumes, I'm putting it down with volume 6 near the bottom. Just, yeah, fine. And that's that. That is Batman Volume 8 Super Heavy PhD Student Reads Episode 6. What a treat. You can follow the show on Twitter at PhD Reads, small d, but capital R. Remember that? Small d, so not like PhD. PhD's got a capital D. PhD reads, small d, capital R. Um, You can support the show. I said last week I would look into how you can do it. Because I didn't put it in that little advert thing that plays now. You can click on the link that I'm going to put in the description. Or you can go to supporter.acast.com slash PhD with a capital D dash student dash reads. That's a lot to remember. I think it's easier to just click on the link. And um, it's not a subscription. You can just give some money once if you really want to. But of course it's absolutely okay if you don't. Because I'm not sure if this is actually worth money. And I have a lot of comics to read anyway. So it's not as if the money would be going to more comic buying. Yeah. I really drag out these endings. That's something something I just don't haven't got that wrapped up yet. The intros are improving, I think, right? But the endings, I think they're getting worse. And now I'm rambling about the making of the show. Um Yeah. Thank you for listening. Now Robin To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out.